welcome to the We Talk Health podcast, the official podcast for West Tennessee Healthcare. Please be advised that this podcast is not intended to replace any medical advice. Always follow your medical professional's advice and direction. Nothing said in this podcast is intended to supersede or supplement the direction of your medical caretakers. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at wetalkhealthpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer any questions you may have. All right, listeners, thank you so much, and thank you for joining us for another episode of We Talk Health. Today, we are here with our GYN specialist with the West Tennessee Medical Group. We have Dr. Don Wilson, Amy White, our nurse practitioner, and Dr. Jeff Ball. Today, we are going to be talking about contraception. So I will kind of open up the floor, and Amy, how about you tell us about all of our options for contraception, and maybe if there are some that you prefer or you think that maybe some new options that that women need to know about? Thank you. Thanks for having us. Basically, there's several types that women have to choose from. First of all, we start mainly with birth control pills. That's the most common choice of most women. So birth control pills are an option. There's Depo-Provera, which is an injection that you get every three months that works very well for prevention of pregnancy. There is Nexplanon, which is a good option for younger girls, teenagers, and young women. It's a little, they call it a bar or a little rod that goes in the arm. That's the slang term for it, but that's what they call it. And it goes in the arm and it lasts for three years. And it's it's very good for prevention of pregnancy, as, pr- as close to abstinence as you can get as far as the methods of birth control that we have. So that's an option, three years on that. There's several different types of IUDs that we use for birth control. And then there's NuvaRing, which is like birth control pills, but it's just a little ring that goes in the vagina, stays for three weeks, and then you take it out and have a period. So that's another option. It's nice because you only really have to remember it twice a month. Then there is a tubal ligation, which is a more permanent form of birth control. We do have a patch too. I'm sorry, I forgot about the patch. We don't use that very much, but it is still an option. So as far as insurance, are there any differences as far as the cost of these different forms of contraception or... Well, fortunately, most insurances cover contraception at 100% right now. Now, everybody's different, and that's not something we always know on the front end. A lot of times we'll get phone calls from pharmacies, and, and we make, unfortunately, sometimes we have to make our decision based on what insurance covers. But for the most part, insurance covers birth control at 100%. I think it's a good conceptual way to, to look at the contraceptive options as well. Is, is Obviously, there's barrier methods, phone and condoms, cups, things like that. Uh, and then the more what we would call combination contraceptive options that contain estrogen and progesterone together. And those are going to be like what Amy was talking about, the pills or the patch or the NuvaRing. And some women have some contraindications sometimes to estrogen-containing contraception. And then lastly is what we would call long-acting reversible contraception, or LARC, LARCs they're called, which fall into the IUD and the Depo-Provera and the uh, Nexplan. And those are ones that contain only progesterone. And so for some women who cannot tolerate oral contraceptive or the patch, they can't take estrogens for various health reasons, they can still have some very good contraceptive options on the longer active ones. And those 
those are, are like the word says, they are longer acting. They, you don't have to think about them on a daily basis or even a weekly basis necessarily. And those three tend to be as effective as having a woman having her tubes tied, yet they're reversible. And so, uh, and each of them have little nuances that make uh, some better than others in a particular clinical situation and can be discussed with us as what's really a, a good options for them because not every woman is a candidate for all of those options. Uh, and in fact, some have some limitations for some patients. But there are many things that women can take for short-term or even long-term contraception that yeah, can still be reversible. So they're not doing something that kind of limits them for the rest of their life, like a permanent sterilization with a tubal or a vasectomy would do. From what I'm hearing, I guess the best course of action would just be to have a conversation with your provider to talk about the best options for you as a woman, because with all of the different things going on, there may be options that are best suited for you. Then with the time frames, I guess, depending on where you are in your life. Well, in your reproductive life, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the discussion that we have with people is what's easiest for you, what's most convenient, what's most cost effective and what's safest, I think, you know, and we'll, we'll, we will go over all that on every visit. And it's something we revisit with people on a yearly basis if they're of childbearing age. And something to consider when Amy mentions safety, you often have to think of contraception, the safety of contraceptive methods in comparison with the safety of pregnancy. Pregnancy, while it certainly is not a disease, it's a wonderful time of of a woman's life and a family's life and so forth, but pregnancy has its own health risks. And so sometimes people say, oh, I hear that's dangerous. And so they'll forego contraception because they're concerned about potential side effects or whatever. Maybe they've heard it, read it on the internet, Dr. Google, whatever. And yet they don't think about, well, I really wasn't planning to get pregnant at this point in time. And Pregnancy has its own health risk as well. And so I think those are things that we can discuss with women when they come in about which option might be best for them. So most women usually have some options, not just an isolated, only one choice to think about. And that's a a good thing. What about, and I use this term kind of loosely, but controversy around the IUDs. Can we talk about that? Just, I mean, we don't have to go into too much detail, but I have heard a little bit of controversy about that particular type of contraception. The the thing to know about IUDs in 2020, 2021, they're a different form of therapy because the thing about IUDs now or the ones that we place are are different in that they're slow release of a hormone that helps with contraception. There are other benefits to that as well that ladies will get, whereas if they're having heavy periods or or frequent periods, a lot of times with the IUDs that we use in our office, their periods will get much better or even go away for a period of time that they're on. And so the original IUDs were basically an abortifactant in that uh, a fertilized egg would enter the uterus and then just kind of migrate through because of a foreign body in the uterus. And so the, the IUDs that we use now, actually, even though they're in the uterus themselves, their contraceptive effect is multifold and in different levels of the reproductive phase. And so from that standpoint, and, and those were struggles that, that we all had, I think, as providers years ago with IUDs and that uh, we made decisions not to not to okay. use them yeah. for that very reason. Yeah. Yeah. And those were discussions we had with retired OBGYNs that were part of uh, Western Healthcare to seek their guidance. And, and I think that I can speak for all of us, we feel comfortable with the IUDs that we place now from a, I guess, from a spiritual standpoint. Where you're yeah, I mean, from. I think obviously all of us, all three of us are pro-life. And so those are, those are serious concerns that we, we don't just take lightly. I think that the conceptually a way of looking at not just IUDs, but there's even some birth control in yeah. general and, and right, birth control yeah. pills and gee, are they abortifacting and the whole issue? I, I think you have to look at it in the, in the terms of, okay, 
is the method that's being used. Really, the only way to prove, there are different mechanism of actions of some of these different types of contraception. And you have to evaluate them and say, okay, is, is the mechanism of action such that it's going to result in the loss of a pregnancy? And the only way to really prove that with these different contraceptive methods would be to show that the pregnancy loss rate meaning that a pregnancy that actually occurred despite using this contraception had a higher pregnancy loss rate than spontaneous miscarriage right. rate. Mm-hmm. Because not, in, in fact, pregnancy, uh, human pregnancy itself has about a 70% loss rate. It's a 15% recognized loss rate, but about a 70% loss rate when you count early, what we call chemical pregnancies, those kind of things, uh, that don't actually survive very long. And so you'd have to show that the contraceptive method you're talking about has a higher loss rate in a pregnancy that actually did occur than occurred in a spontaneous pregnancy. And and there's no data at all that it is anywhere close to evaluating that issue. And so then you have to come down to personal convictions and how you think the mechanism of actions work and and so on and so forth. And have that discussion with your patient. Absolutely. and, and, uh, and, And we do that. Does that kind of help? Oh, absolutely. Thank you. I know that was... One thing um, I I want to talk about in our office specifically, Amy has a real gift for taking care of our younger patients, adolescents, teenagers, college age uh, young ladies. And if you don't mind, Amy, I want you to kind of speak to when would you start somebody on a pill? And I know that varies for each patient, but just kind of your take on that. Well, I think you have to, when patients come in, they're coming in mainly for birth control. And they'll tell you that I'm having sex and I need to prevent pregnancy. That's goal number one. And so for those patients, we talk about those options, like I mentioned a minute ago. First, basically, we start with birth control pills. And I have to look and think, what are these, what are their risk factors? Are they, what's their age? Do they smoke? Are they overweight? Different, different risk factors. What's their personal or family history of female cancers, breast cancers, those kind of things. So it's very individualized. But for the most part, in my practice, we start people on birth control pills. And that's nice in that it is pretty effective against preventing pregnancy, and it helps women to cycle regularly. And so for the for the topic of contraception, I think in my practice, we use birth control pills the most. And we have a lot of patients that like Depo-Provera. They want the convenience of Depo-Provera. You typically become amenorrheic where you don't have periods. You don't have to worry about that sort of thing. But you have to come to the office every three months and get an injection. And there are some side effects for some of these birth control methods. Um, the main one with the Depo being weight gain and irregular bleeding. And as a teenager and at young 20s, that's not high on our list of things we want to happen. So, um, but that's what we talk about to begin with. So they want to know side effects, what to expect with their menstrual cycles. I think it's important to understand too, when we, when we have young women come into our office and talk to us about contraception, and this is not the topic of discussion today, but I think it's important for women to understand and get information as well about sexually transmitted diseases, mm-hmm. the potential consequences of uh, sex outside of a mutually monogamous committed married relationship, and the potential things that can go wrong, uh, such as pelvic inflammatory disease, which can lead to chronic pelvic pain or can lead to uh, ectopic pregnancies. Infertility. Infertility, huge infertility risk. And so it's not just that someone comes in, I want to talk about having, getting all contraception, and we kind of go, okay, all right, let's talk about that primarily. That's what, you know, you're coming to us for our expertise on that. But let's also talk about the choices you're making in your life and 
if you're a 15-year-old or a 17-year-old and you're wanting to go to college and you have these plans and so forth, but you're disconnecting your choices you're making in your personal life from the choices you're wanting to make as you age and, and making career choices and, and the thoughts of you know someday having a, a family and so forth and how some of those choices can be limited for you in your later life by the choices you're making right now that you don't think about that have potential consequences. I mean, you know, having sexual intercourse is not necessarily a risk-free endeavor depending upon the circumstances in which you find yourself. And so we try to have those conversations in an appropriate, non-judgmental sort of way about, hey, why are you making the choices you're making? And, and, and have you thought through what this, where this might lead you? And you may want to take a step back and reassess. Doesn't mean that we wouldn't prescribe the contraception. It just means we're trying to engage them and let them know we care about them as a person. You know, you're not just a name on a list. You're an actual person whose life may be irrevocably altered by the choices you're making now. And, and I think each of us have seen that in certain patients. And we can think of certain women through the years who we've cared for who've had a consequence of the choices that they've made. And, and so we try to at least help them get information that can help them think through what they're doing or, or the choices they're making and the potential upside and downside of those choices. Right. I oh. like that, you know, we're talking about just looking at the bigger picture. It's not just about not getting pregnant. Absolutely. It's, it's just, it's about the bigger picture for the health of the woman. And that is individual for every single patient that you have, really. Welcome to the mind of a, a women's health provider. <laughs> you know, it's not as simple as, okay, I need birth control. Well, here you go. So we really try to approach it that way. Uh, as well. Well, I think that we're not just talking about teenagers or women no, that, I mean, no. these are people in between children, you know, the birth control through the whole reproductive lifespan. But I do want them to feel like they can trust me to talk about this if they are a teenager. And so that's what I try to establish on the front end in a non, like he said, non judgmental, non parental way, yeah. but still get my point across that if you make this choice, then we do need to prevent pregnancy and we do need to prevent sexually transmitted infections. He does need to wear a condom. You do need to have Gardasil and you need to talk to your parents. You know, it, you, you need to have an open line of communication with your parents and with me. And your provider. Yes. yes and absolutely. with me. So, so it's not just birth control is not just for adolescents, clearly, but everybody at some point in their life is going to need some type of birth control. And, and I think they need to be informed and have the best option for them. What's specific to them at that moment in their life. Along those lines too, carrying a little bit further, you know, I think uh, not only just for the three of us, for Dr. Ball and Amy and myself, but uh, our office has to be prepared to answer questions that our patients have, or even ladies that aren't our patients that may call to uh, ask about their birth control. And questions like, okay, I missed a pill, what should I do? Mm -hmm. I left my pack at, at home and I'm at school now, or other questions. And, and uh, one thing I kind of want to brag on is, is our our girls, our ladies here that have years of experience in answering those questions, and quite honestly, have probably answered those questions a lot more than I have. <laughs> and we want our patients to know that, whether uh, our existing patients or, or potentially new patients, that we're not just going to give you birth control and, and send you on your way. We're, we're here to help you work through those waters, too. And and just because you start on a particular birth control uh, type, it doesn't mean that you're going to be tied to that birth control either. We, we're kind of open to Absolutely. making those changes as well. And this day and time with smartphones and, and things that ladies have, I, I will share a little story with you that, you know, as a father of a young, not a young daughter, but a, but a young lady, we as fathers inherit their phones. I don't know if you guys realize that, but like I never have a new phone. I always get 
the hand-me-down, right? When my daughter was getting married, of course, then not only I got to give her away to her new husband, but she got to give her phone back to me. And I, I found it interesting in that she had an app on her phone for maneuvering. And I had that phone for about a week or two. And all of a sudden, it just started alarming and going off and telling me it was time for me to change my maneuvering. Um, and, and, and so um, I, I share that and that we're constantly being aware of things that are changing out there for our patients. And if a dad has a question, he can call to, and we'll help him work through that as well. So I have to ask, did it go okay? Did you get it changed? <laughs> well, actually, I, I couldn't get the app off the phone. And so it reminded me monthly for about six months till I traded the phone in. Yeah. So it was getting very angry with right, you. Right, right. That's right. And along those lines with, with Nuvering, you would think that, a lot of patients wouldn't like that because they have to change it out every three weeks. But for patients that it works well, they love it. Absolutely. Uh, and they don't feel it, which is amazing. And, yes. And, and there are questions like, okay, well, if I'm having sex, what, what about that? Is, right. is it going to affect? They don't know it's there. Yeah. It's a small percentage of patients, but the ladies that, that use an Ubering, they, they love it. Most they do. Like it they really true. do. And I think it's important on birth control pills too because for women to understand, I mean, somebody will often come in and, well, my friend was on this one. I want that one. And I mean, I always tell them, I said, well, that's not a problem. It's an excellent pill. But everybody's body is different. And so one woman, your friend may tolerate that type and you don't, but you tolerate a different type and she didn't. And so you have to sometimes be patient and try to find one that, that fits with a, a patient's uh, I say body chemistry, I'm not sure that's the exact right word, but the idea being that the progesterones, the, the estrogen is the same almost in every pill. It's the progesterone that is a different type, and so those are ones that for one woman they tolerate that particular progesterone, and for another person they do not. And so you have to kind of play with it, but don't get frustrated with it. If that's the type of method you want to use, we can often find one that will work. And in this day and time in pharmacology, uh, we're, we're learning new names of pills every week. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. You'll see a patient, you'll write a prescription for a birth control pill, and and the pharmacy will provide them with another name. It's the same pill, but right. it's just under another name. And so that's a dynamic that yes. ladies are having to wade through now. In other words, why, why is the name on my package changing on a monthly basis, it seems almost yeah. at times. Uh, and so, you know, we kinda, we're kind we working through that with them as well. What are some other conditions that women may have? And we've touched on this just a tiny bit, but I just want to dig in just a little bit more. Other conditions women may have where they could benefit from contraceptive medicine? Well, we can start young. I mean, Amy, you may want to address this too, but there's a good number of patients that, that come in to see you that are there because these young ladies are having just horrible periods. Right, just for cycle control. Mm -hmm. Again, we look at the patient individually, but you start them as young as sometimes 12. You How know, do they do short term. I mean, They do really well. Young, they do really well. I mean, you know, they come back in three months, and, and we just see if it's working at that point or your period's better. And... Most of the time, you know, you've got the basketball players and the soccer players and people that just don't want to be inconvenienced with their heavy periods, you know, and it, it works well and it, it's safe. They're relatively low doses that we put people on and it's safe to be on them for quite some time. Same and for, it's convenient. Same for cramps too. Yeah. Uh, women who have yeah. A, uh, not just heavy periods, but very painful periods. Birth control pills are amazing. Uh -huh. Most women, now sometimes you have to add some other medicine to it, but but those work, work really well. And I, and I think from a parent's standpoint, you have to, because oftentimes if they're if they're that young and having the parent is brought in, and it's a conversation. It's for a sure. conversation for mm -hmm. sure. And you're trying to reassure the, the parent. And look, this is not. And you tell the patient, this is not a license to go have sex with whoever you want at at all. We're giving you these 
combination hormonal pills, if you think of them as hormonal therapy, less so as contraceptive, it's easier to call them birth control pills because that's what we're used to. Uh, and, they, and they do obviously would provide contraception if needed, but the purpose for which you're giving them is for their medical condition. And that can be in their 20s and 30s too for women with some, someone mm-hmm. with endometriosis or, or other health conditions that can be very, very helpful. A lot of the questions that the mothers have are, you know, if you're starting her on pills this early, How's that going to affect her down the line? And, and quite honestly, there's there's some good studies show that starting it early from all their health is great, even as an older woman. But I think we spend more time reassuring moms than we do the actual teenagers. Yeah, uh, I think that's something that's often missed with contraceptive birth control pills or the, or the treatment of it is there are uh, quite a few non-contraceptive benefits to birth control pills. So women who, while they're having contraception provided, it does help tend to make their periods lighter, less risk of iron deficiency anemia because of that, less risk of painful periods, less risk of benign breast disease, helps maintain bone density as a woman's own density peaks in their early 30s, it'll help maintain that so that then when they come into their older years, they have a better bone density than they might otherwise would, and so less risk for osteoporosis, uh, less risk of uterine cancer by 60% or so, less risk of ovarian cancer by 50%. So these are real benefits that women, and those benefits last, uh, particularly the ovarian cancer and endometrial cancer uh, benefits, uh, last for 10 to 15 years after they get off the pill. they stop the pill, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there are some things now. So we don't, we're not prescribing the pills for that reason, but if you're needing it for a medical indication or for contraception, you do get these other benefits that go along with it. And so a lot of patients don't know that or understand that. And maybe that, and sometimes that can help them be more amenable to the idea of taking birth control. Yeah, that's incredible. And I think that's important to point out to our listeners that, and there are benefits other than the obvious. Back to the young girls, I, I asked them, you know, how many days a month are you missing school? And some of them are missing two and three days. And I'll see, there's absolutely no reason we have to do that. We can fix that. We do not need to miss school because of your period. We and then really they get upset with you because you're saying you really don't need to miss school. Because <laughs> <laughs> Mothers over there patting me on the yeah. back. But, but I mean, you know, and that's embarrassing too for girls to have to leave school for that reason. So there's a lot of social, I mean, it's, it's just a benefit. Normally they're them. quite happy because their buddies are at school and they just right, 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 actually yeah. want to be yeah. at school. Yeah. Maybe not to learn as much, but to, you know, be, be with their friends. So. Jeff, I, I'd like to know on the other spectrum, Two, how long will you keep a lady on birth control pills? If they don't have a risk factor such as smoking, uh, hypertension right. that's not controlled, a vascular disease, clotting disorder, some other thing that would preempt us from providing them, if a woman is doing well on her pills, either for abnormal periods or for, which is actually fairly common, obviously, right. as women get into their 40s, uh, or for contraception, I'll keep them on till about age 50, and then I'll start assessing them yearly at the end of their blank pills to see if they're possibly menopausal. Average age of menopause is 51 and a half or so. I just use 50 as an easy cutoff. And then once they prove to me that they're menopausal, I just take them off their pills because there's no reason that they have to come off at 40 or 42 or 45. I mean, and and that's that's a little different than than what we were taught years ago. And that and and that that speaks to the the lower dose pills that we're on and and the fact that pills have been around so long that that we've learned more with that. And to that point, there's a good chance that if a lady's on a birth control pill and and doesn't have those risk factors, that we can actually take her to menopause. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. Which is kind of encouraging for them as well. I guess we probably should talk about some the other forms of birth control briefly. Well, the IUD, we talked about example, the IUD. IUD uh, uh, has uh, non-contraceptive indications from the FDA for heavy periods right. or abnormal bleeding. And it well. works great. It I mean, it, it, well. it really works well for our patients. And there are some patients that really have some contraindications to surgery, and, and it's kind of been a big tool for us to treat that. Uh-huh. The one other thing, I don't guess we talked 
about was the nor plant. Next one on. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. next one on. That's right. <laughs> Showing your age there. <laughs> the old call nor plant origin. Uh, but Amy, you may want to talk about, briefly about that. Well, I think it's a it's a good option. It's um, easy insertion. We like for people to, across the board. We like for people to come in for their initial next one on when they're on their period. That's just we just prefer that. But it's easy insertion, quick, simple. Where's it go? It goes. Right here in your arm. <laughs> right in the arm, on the inside part of inside your arm, of, right, yeah, right above your upper arm. arm. Yeah, you can't see it, you can feel it, but not unless you just want to. And it's good for three years. The main side effect we see with that is abnormal bleeding, and we can fix that. So if if you're out there and you have an explanation and you're having problems with your periods, then we can fix that. But don't you find that kind of gets better over time? It does get better over time. It usually just takes a couple rounds of some estrogen for that, and um, it's good for three years. We can. Take one out, put another one in, you know, and it, it works really well. Don't have to think about anything similar, for three years. Yeah, that's a similar side effect uh, to with Depo-Provera right. is yeah. the abnormal bleeding. About half of women who are on Depo will have no periods after one year of use. The other half will have some irregular spotting or bleeding. If those same women stay on it a second year, it drops down to 20% have some irregular spotting or bleeding. The other 80% do not have periods, and they really like that. The problem with Depo-Provera is there's a black box warning about potential impact on bone density. So after two years of use, you have to Really, you ought to be on some calcium and vitamin D if you're going to take a Depo-Provera. If you're taking it now, you need to be doing that to help prevent bone loss. It is thought to be reversible when you quit. Not 100% sure of that, but we're highly likely that seems to be the case. But that's why they have that black box warning. So after a couple years of Depo-Provera, you might need to change to a different option uh, depending upon your clinical circumstances. But it's a, it's a, like I said, Depo-Provera, Di-UD, and the next one on all basically are equally as effective as if you had your tubes tied, yet they're reversible. So To that point, two things we haven't talked about as far as contraception is tubal ligation, and that's probably for another podcast. Uh, and then lastly is vasectomy. Uh, we do not do those. Women's but, health. But I do want, this is women's health, and, and, but I do want to uh, uh, speak to the ladies out there who have had that conversation with their husband. I always just encourage them when they come in, say, don't die on that hill. If you've got to drag him, to get his vasectomy screaming and kicking, then you're going to pay for that for years. You know, you're going to you're going to hear about it. You know, well, I had my vasectomy, you know, even though you had five babies uh, naturally without an epidural. <laughs> but so don't feel alone if your husband is really balking at the thought of a vasectomy because most of us do. That's true. Uh, I'll just say <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> Uh, the best way to just package it as doing it during March Madness, right? Right. <laughs> so there you go. There so you while go. they or the the uh, the masters or right. some other things, right. some That's other right. activity that will give mm-hmm. them something to do while they're recuperating. That's right. That's right. But but for for young wives out there, I'll just just choose your battles. <laughs> You know. Good advice. Right. Good advice. Come see us for your tubal. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and remove apps from your phone before you pass them down to your father. That's, That's right. right. Lots That's of lessons right. in this. That's right, Katie. Lots of life lessons here. So we're here to educate the public. That's, That's what right. we do. So all right. Well, any other thoughts on contraception today that we can share with our listeners? I think covered a wide. If they have a question, call us. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll, we'll find that answer. Our number here at the office, yes, yeah, 731-660-3344. 3344, easy to remember. So, and all three providers are accepting patients. So if you are looking for a women's health provider, please give our GYN specialist a call today. All right. Well, thank, thank you, you, Dr. Wilson and Amy and Dr. Thank Ball. Uh, we appreciate, all, as always, having you. And Thank you listeners for listening to another edition of We Talk Health with West Tennessee Healthcare Medical Group.